How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. What are you drinking? Um, I'm, I'm drinking a not winter ale, like I promised. Um, this is, <laughs> but this is too good to pass up. Um, it's called Hitachino Nest White Ale, um, and it is a Japanese ale that you can uh, it's bottled by uh, Kiyuchi Brewery and you can get it at our local Asian market called Awajimaya um, and it's really good it's summery and light and I haven't actually had it in a while so I'm going to have to drink it before I can here hold on a second just mild you know it's just it's tasty but it's just very simple and drinkable. Good to know. Just got got a very perfect body to it. Like, like not not too you know. It's not weak, but it's not really challenging. There you go. It's not weak, but it's not really challenging. Okay. Yeah, it. and it's and that it has very has a very very cute bottle. If I can't find it online, I'll actually just post a picture. It has a little howl on it. So. Yeah. Anyway. Good deal. White ale. Yeah. It's a perfect sort of afternoon beer, if it were the afternoon. It's not. It's the evening, and it's winter, but I'm drinking it anyway. What are you drinking, Brian? I'm drinking uh, Full Sail, uh, Phil's Existential Alt, mm. and uh, the Brewer Share deal. And... Um, I'll read the description first. It's a copper-colored, uh, cold-conditioned, small-batch beer. Uh, concocted by our own Phil Roche, generously imbued with Munich and Vienna malts and German noble hops. And it's not light, but it's not, um, it's not to, to copy you, but it's very, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Um, it's, I think we're going to have a simple show today. Maybe, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe that's fitting, but it's, you could drink this really fast. Like it, it's just, uh, in fact, I had some the other night, um, I bought two bottles of it and I took one to, uh, to a soccer, uh, team party that I had for my soccer team, not something that I coached. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, we, we just, you know, poured it out a couple of cups and drank it pretty quick. So it's, it's a really smooth, um, pretty moderate, I guess, um, drink I mean, it's uh but it's tasty it's very good try some it's relatively inexpensive as well so and full sale's kind of everywhere now so you should be able to find it yeah i think i can even find full sale yeah pretty sure i can so you play soccer now you play rugby you're just all up in the sports can you wear your fuel band while playing soccer because that would I, definitely be a <laughs> i actually was going to but our game got canceled on sunday and so I was going to just to see how many points I could get in a, in a match. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's because you were saying you like, you might not be able to wear it because maybe it's jewelry or something like that. I was kind of just kind of curious whether you could, I was going to try and see what they said They're You know, it's, it's a Sunday co-ed rec league, so it's not like they're real stringent on the, on some of that stuff. So, but uh, alas, I did not uh, get to try it. I, oh, you know what though? If I don't give it up, before Sunday or sell it before Sunday, I could wear it this Sunday and uh, okay. I'll give you a report. But yeah, fuel band, uh, not so much for me, it turns out, but it was worth a shot. It was good to give it a run. Um, yeah. 
and I just don't run. And so that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge reason. I don't run except for on fields. And so, well, see, that's what I was thinking. Like yeah. you, you I, I was, you know, with the soccer and the rugby and you probably do some training other than that, you know, for that, I, you know, I, I would have thought that that would have been a better match, but listening to those other things, I mean, you do stand up paddleboarding, yoga, biking, Fuel band, not really optimized for those things. Yeah, I was a little, so. I, and I kind of knew that. That's part of why I'd never bought one before when we've had discussions about this. But it was, um, I, I was like, okay, you know what? It's time for me to test it out. And I, I really right. want more analytics on me. Mm-hmm. And so um, wanted to, to see what I found there. And it uh, turns out just not, you know, I think the the funniest thing was that I I jacked up like fourth forty eight hundred points riding a motorcycle, and I didn't even didn't think about it until the end of the day. But um, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that is some exercise. I don't know that it's really. No, it's just from yeah. the. It's just from the. But it, it just shows you what you can do to get fuel points. Is it just takes a little bit of handlebar vibration or. Um, yeah. some moderate, you know, it doesn't take much movement, I guess is the thing. Cause typing and motorcycle riding gets me a lot more points than like pushups and stuff like that. So the typing thing I don't get, because I don't think I really get a whole lot during the day, but I would definitely like, if you're doing something like motorcycle riding, I'd turn it off or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I get a lot. I mean, because I get a whole lot more when I'm at the office. We talked about this. Like my work from home days are just they're 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 lousy because and I end up having to get like two thousand points at night um, because I just don't walk around the office or anything. But I type, so I don't know how. I don't know. Uh, um, I, I don't get that same kind of thing. But I would definitely say something like motorcycle where riding where you're getting a lot of vibration but not a lot of actual exercise. I definitely turn it off. Right. But yeah. Anyway. So. Yeah, I, just, I had completely forgot about it when I uh, when I rode uh, last weekend, and so um, it was just kind of funny. But yeah. uh, no, it's, it's you know um, I actually looked at before I got the fuel band. Um, I was actually looking at like the Fitbit and some other stuff that it's a little more. Um, but it, none of them are waterproof, you know. None of them are. So right. I think I just need to wait for the next generation. That's my thing. Yeah, that would and, be cool. Um, and then just. Maybe keep my own stats somehow, but uh, anyhow, um, yeah. yeah. So speaking of motorcycle trips and stuff like that, we were at DevLearn. We were last week, or geez. did you just say speaking of motorcycle trips, we were at DevLearn? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I associate with DevLearn now. Is the whole is mayhem? I can't. Uh, that's it's just part of it. Um, so uh, for me, anyways, and it was well. That was a, that was a really fun time. Yeah, so, so weekend after. Weekend after DevLearn and the week of DevLearn. All of it was really fun. So um, I I guess, what, what did we do at DevLearn? Um, I'll, I'll kick things off because I went first, I guess, on You Tuesday, went first, right? so, so you go ahead. So you had a pre-con with Trina Rimmer about ID in the real world, right? That is correct. Um, it was very... Uh, it was actually it was a good little workshop. We had fifteen people, and they were all willing to work, which was nice. Um, and so we uh, we had a good little group. We spent a whole lot more time than we thought we would um, on just kind of like um, needs analysis and designing questions. Um, and mm-hmm. so we we actually built a um, what we are calling 
a project design guide, which is just a really bad name, but we couldn't think of anything else at the time. So that's what our, ten- our temporary name is um, to basically help you pick, um, help you help guide you through a project, designing a project that's maybe on in a real world, which is like, okay, you have no budget or you have two weeks or you have whatever these res- uh, constraints are and helping you um, adjust the entire process, which can be whatever process you want. If it's Addy, that's fine. If it's Sam, that's fine. If it's whatever, you know, hybrid, that's fine. So it's design agnostic. Um, and, but just helping you make the right decisions throughout, not skipping design, not mm-hmm. skipping analysis. Um, instead it's a, it's, it's reducing or saying, okay, we only have two weeks. So you're going to do, instead of doing a full, um, you know, on-site job shadow type of um, interview with a subject matter expert, you're just going to do a phone call or you're going to have a quick meeting or have a series of quick interviews. And and in that case, you want to design your questions more for that type of um, interaction because you're not going to be able to sit and observe. And so just st- talking about stuff like that, and it turned out that we spent the whole morning pretty much talking about um, how to how to design questions and design interactions just with subject matter experts and things like that and doing that upfront um analysis and things so it was it was very educational for us to to um build out future workshops and hopefully some things for the ninjas uh learning ninjas to deliver them to um to businesses as well not just at conferences because there's a lot of really good information and um the feedback we got was really great so Anyways, it was a great time. Um, I think it was good for them. It was good for us. And hopefully we'll be able to do more. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely only so many conferences you can take this to. It sort of limits your audience. So you're talking about making this uh, like an on-site offering for you guys? Yeah, so you on-site, guys- we're also talking, we've we've modulized, modularized it um, so that you know we can do pieces of it so now like the needs analysis thing that's a that's its own thing right so it's a we could do a half day or a full day just on that depending on availability and things like that so we've we're we're working on how we're gonna um build it out and market it and things like that but um it's definitely the whole idea of it being real world was the the big win Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's what, that's the most feedback that we got was this is, um, very applicable to my job or this is, this was really great as far as being realistic and, um, them, you know, uh, us as presenters understanding the attendees real world scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that I think is kind of a big win and that we can, if we can keep doing that, there's a lot of people that that resonates with. Cool. So, and and it's good. I, I think it's good too, because a lot of people walked away with, oh, didn't know we could still do that. Or I didn't know what I was doing or um, what I should be doing around designing a project and project management and things like that. Cool. So, no, it was good overall. I heard, I heard some sort of overheard some people saying it was really good. So that's good. And you guys didn't get canceled like a lot of pre-cons ahead of time. So that's also very impressive. Um, yeah, that it sounds very interesting. I, I I look forward to seeing that toolkit if you share it publicly. Yeah, it will be once we actually figure out what it is <laughs> and, and what it's, what it's going to look like. Um, 
and uh, you know obviously we need to to do some more design work on it to make it nice and pretty also and usable so um yeah so while i was doing that what were you doing likely drinking um don't no, really remember. No, I'm kidding. Um, that, that that particular day, I, that was actually one of the most educational days for me because I was just kind of hanging with people and talking and catching up with some people on things that they had been doing that I had wanted to learn about. Um, and Mike Hrishka was one of them and uh, Mark Dewey at Problem Solutions. Um, and um, just, you know, doing a little bit of prep work um, also for the week. Um, luckily, I kind of stuck with my resolution of finishing almost everything before um, before I left for the conference and not you know not working that week at all so it was really um, that that was great because I got to have fun and I got to um, you know do all of the professional development that doesn't necessarily happen in conference sessions and um, so that was really good but um, Tuesday you know <laughs> well, let's see that was Tuesday um, Wednesday, I ended up, I, I had like all my team, um, my boss, my boss's boss, everybody I work with um, was there, had either arrived Tuesday night or at some point during the week. So Wednesday, um, I was really just making connections for them, um, just helping people navigate to what they wanted to find or do or whatever. Um, and that was great because it was really, I think it made it a much more productive conference for them. Um, and you know, that, so that was just kind of a, it didn't, it it helped me to help them, (laughs) but it didn't, you know, I didn't do, I didn't get to do a whole lot of professional development. I did end up in the Junto a lot of the day, which was good. We worked on some really cool things. Um, Thursday was mostly, I had two presentations and then more work in the Junto. Um, and then Friday presenting and, and going to my team's presentation. And that was kind of it. So I was disappointed that I didn't get to actually go to, like any sessions. Um, but it was really just more about what I needed to accomplish at that particular conference um, and help. And that happened more in the Junto and in helping my team out and, you know, doing the, the presentations that I'd committed to. So, um, yeah, so I, I wish I'd gotten different things out of it a little bit, but it wasn't the conference's fault. <laughs> and it's something that I, I continue to get a lot of opportunities to do. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that was kind of the that was kind of it. The I did the HTML5 uh, multimedia um, thing again that I've taken to a couple of conferences and got asked to sort of revive that on the uh, multimedia stage. Honestly, there was kind of a little HTML5 alley going on on the multimedia stage um, because there were three back to back. Sessions on HTML5. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Flora Nick Flora was running that stage and he was doing at least one of the other ones. I can't remember, but. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, and then I had the Ignite presentation, which was really interesting. And also did the business model generation one with Matt Cross, and which was very fun. Yeah, so so one, um, I guess the HTML5 stuff people can, can get uh, mostly in the report for the guild or, you know, your website, obviously. I've been talking about it for a while. Um of links that I still need to disseminate from that. So I probably <laughs> So there you go. There's some incentive to do that. Um, 
before tomorrow. But uh, then, so so uh, tell people about your ignite session because it rocked. Um, and uh, the there was some I know there were some technical difficulties in the session overall, but I think all six were really great. Um, and um, while Rockwell's uh, fear and loathing and e learning definitely won best title <laughs> um i think they were they were all yeah. really really good um and uh and entertaining and as well as like just you know that inspiration and kind of um energy that uh that that they're built for right so i think they went pretty well what what was your take um i i love chris's i love jane's um i i think both of them had really interesting things to say and and really like kind of inspiring ways to to go about it i don't know that jane would call hers inspiring but i i find her very inspiring and refreshing um her voice um and you know the kinds of things that she she stands for and against um and so yeah, and I I loved Chris's as well. Um, we you know there were some technical difficulties, but it wasn't it wasn't too terrible. I mean, the thing for me mostly was getting used to doing that kind of thing, which is which was totally totally different for me. Um, it was honestly um, a really big challenge in terms of. Um, just being nervous, having this this constraint of the automatically forwarding slides. I learned a lot, though. I mean, it was it's kind of, doing an ignite is kind of an Iron Chef sort of thing, and you have to. It's it's not it's not a presentation as much as it is a performance. It's rehearsed. It's you know it, it's very very structured. Um, it's clearly you know the I think the roots are in. Uh, this started this kind of thing started in Japan, um, which doesn't you know surprise me at all. Um, but it's you know I, I it's one of those things that like you know just like when I was playing piano as a kid and I would do juries or, or whatever it, it I wanted to I always wanted the chance to go back and do it better the fall you know just right after <laughs> because I never felt like it was perfect. Um, so yeah, so it had that kind of effect because it was like it was like I said it was a kind of a performance. And added to that, it was I chose to really um, go with a topic that um, put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and I don't think these were bad things. I, I felt like I rose to the occasion, but it it, it created a sort of um, a lot of nervousness about it. Mm-hmm. Be- people are always asking me what it's like to work at Nike um, because of you know the name the brand the the stature of the company and everything like that so i was like i'm just going to bring in some nike inspiration you know because of that and and i did and it was it was really um it felt very overwhelming to be speaking for the brand yeah um and especially when i it I just don't think of myself as that much of a cheerleader, you know? I, I'm my perspectives are more nuanced than that. And not everybody likes Nike for a variety of reasons. And I and I acknowledge that, you know? And so it felt very strange to be taking that up. But I was sharing something that truly has been an inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of where I came out is I'm not you know, it's okay if I'm. Be- it's okay to be a cheerleader if I'm being authentic in something that's really inspired me, and and I was. So, right. yeah. So that was 
that was that. Yeah, I think it's more. I think it was more passion in general than it was cheerleading for a brand. So yeah. I think you know. I think whatever you had, you know, as far as worry about that aspect of it, I don't think you. Yeah, you, you don't have anything to worry about there. So I think it was good. I appreciate it, and I will never ever watch the video. But thank you. You for won't. <laughs> No, they were good. I, I really, I, I like, I, <laughs> I like the ignite sessions style simply because there are some constraints and there's and it's a and it is much more of a performance. Um, I wouldn't want every concurrent session to be like that or anything like that because I do also yeah. like the collaborative type of sessions and the facilitated sessions. Um, but it's just a nice change of pace and it's it's a it. If if you are passionate about whatever your topic is or about what you do, it comes through in that kind of a presentation really easily. Um, you can't do an Ignite session and not care about what you're talking about. Otherwise, it's going to be a complete flop, right? And and they're just it's going to show immediately. And uh, that wasn't the case in any of them. So I think that, uh, anyways, it was, it was good stuff. So more of those guild. Um, those are that's a that's always a good good deal. Six six of them or ten of them, something like that would be whatever. You, can you hear me? I can now. Okay, because I think uh, I was just trying to interrupt you, and either you were just going on or you couldn't hear me. If you were just going on, that's fine. You should probably just do that. But <laughs> no, I think that um, God, now I can't even remember what I was going to say. Um, it was something about Ignite. Oh, no. Just I remember when I was preparing, I was freaking out a little bit. And you actually really helped me by reminding me that it's about that. It's about the passion. It's not about the learning objectives per se. You know, right. it's about inspiring people. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think it, absolutely. Other watched were really good. And I enjoyed being a part of it. Cool. And how did your... So, uh I don't know. I think you should talk about what business model generation is um, to, to get to the next presentation that you did um, be, and what you guys just in general so that people are aware of it because um, it may not be as well known in our industry. So this starts, this started with Matt Cross who works for the U S office of government ethics, or at least our presentation did. Um, he said, we should do, we should do go to Devlin and take this to Devlin. Um, and, uh, yes, he works for the U S office of government ethics. They're not the problem people. <laughs> um, and we learned this, um, Matt and I learned this at up to all of us who I think listeners for our show will be pretty familiar with what up to all of us is it started by Aaron Silvers. Um, and the first, um, first event was in February in, in um, Sedona earlier this year. Um, and uh, I think Elliot Felix brought it um, and after and, and taught it. And it's based on a book by Alex Osterwalder and community. Um, and it basically is a sort of set of tools to help designers think like business people and help business people think like designers um, and come up with, uh, well, it's, it's a highly visual method of um, designing your company and your value proposition um, and how that fits with your customers' needs and, you know, your key partners in business and your cost and revenues and everything like that. So, um, and it was one thing that after up to all of us, 
as we kept communicating through the year, lots of people were saying, hey, I use this, completely restructured my business. I use this on a personal level, figure out what my own value proposition is. Just everybody was saying, I'm using it. Matt did it with his team. I did it with my team just to figure out what our value proposition was within the organization. And um, it was it was pretty powerful. So anyway, we um, decided to bring this to DevLearn. I mean, people are in our industry are always saying we need to think more like a business. We need to speak the language of the business. We need to pay attention to business needs. So we thought, okay, let's have some business and also design thinking in this, um, well, not probably not capital D, capital T design thinking, but um, some some design sense, mm-hmm. uh, this, this thinking about business. So, um, you know, we brought the template, um, showed it, talked about um, the tools, talked about some of the creative um ways to go about approaching it. So not only did we bring in the business model generation um, ideas from the book, but also game storming, um, because game storming can be used um, in in a lot of powerful ways for generating ideas, honing in on the best ideas, forcing priority um, uh, of of ideas. Um, So we integrated those two kind of things, which also that's something that a lot of us are familiar with. well, I, I, I guess I wasn't first familiar with that because of uh, up to all of us, but I definitely learned a lot more about game storming principles there. Um, so we integrated that and then um, also integrated some of the specific tools because they're still putting out tools on um, their blog, Business Model Alchemist, um, all the time. And uh, so we taught some of the, we decided to take just a couple of sections and kind of, kind of dive deeper into those, mm-hmm. use some tools that are out there um, and, you know, work with those, show people how to use those so that they could go away with something a little bit more concrete. Um, yeah, and, and it was a lot of fun. Um, it was, the audience was was very involved and, and I think liked it a lot. And um, I just liked, you know, more and more I like presentations where I'm not just providing all of the, the answers and the bullets, I'm just providing with as many resources as possible. And that's what we tried to do. You know, there are a lot of resources. There's a lot of community around it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in in some ways it's kind of funny because building up a new presentation like that, you do it and then it's like, well, we want to do this again or we want to expand mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. like that. So we'll see. Maybe we can. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's one that I, I had wanted to go to on Friday but didn't make it. Um, I didn't... I, yeah, I didn't go to much on Thursday or Friday, um, other than a couple of keynotes and, um, you know, I was making my way through the, through the expo on uh, Thursday and saw some stages kind of in passing and stopped for a little while and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I was definitely not much of an attendee this year. Did you see anything interesting in the expo? Um, not really. Uh, I, I, was there was you know there's a lot of new old you know what i mean it was like uh, okay there's another um rapid development tool or there's another thing but none, none of it was like that revolutionary just a little bit of a different spin on the same crap um and the the i didn't look a ton but man uh, i think it's whoople um they had the big huge you know walk in the front front area um, vendor section or whatever. And I guess they're primarily, it's just video. Um, and I was, it was just interesting that they were the, the big headliner vendor for the expo this year, um, for, uh, 
a write-up out in front because I didn't, um, it was just interesting because it was all video based. Um, they, their hosting system. Um, but, uh, other than that, nothing really stood out. Um, that, I mean, there's a lot of tin can stuff, uh, a lot of, you know, and then of course a lot of, um, new HTML claims that <laughs> are probably, um, moderately accurate at best. Um, I'll, I'll say based on previous experiences. Um, but the only, the only big, I, I did chat for a little while with, uh, with rich Chetwind of, uh, Litmos, which is now Calidus cloud, uh, which also now has rapid intake. And I am really interested to see where, where he takes, cause he's over rapid intake now also. Um, and I, and we were talking about mobile and, and things like that. And, and not in a, tool specific like here's some software that'll give you the ability to create wonderful mobile learning right but just in a mobile focused mobile first um tools and and resources and um maybe it's a you know there it's already a collaborative environment so if there could be you know some things there i'm just really curious to see where he takes that i think it's going to be good um overall if uh if litmos is any um sign for for doing some good and, and uh, mixing things up a little bit. But yeah, that's about it. I made it to, other than those things were, uh, was my team session, which the, we were talking about the new um, RLMS that we built and the process of doing that, which is, it's actually kind of an interesting story. Um, we're going to be doing it again at Technology if anybody's going to be there. So um, look us up, uh, Chris Chris Rosso and Joe Campbell will be there. And um, it was like, it was Friday morning, end of the conference um, that they did this. And so I, I'm not sure if anybody had very large of an audience at that point, but they, um, they were very, very involved. And I think that they did a really, really good job of just sort of communicating, you know, just sort of creating this environment where people could ask them any questions, whether it was about the political parts of getting this built or about the technical parts or whatever. I mean, every everybody, it seemed like, had questions and they kept asking questions. And it was, I have never, ever seen an audience that involved and just free to ask whatever was on their mind. And the cool part about that was that my entire team was there. So if you wanted to talk, if you wanted to ask about the web architecture on the front end, Goggles was there. You wanted to talk about the political part of like the very origin of getting this done. Joe Campbell was there, you know, and all right. of us could could throw in and talk about our parts of the experience. So it was really kind of cool um, to cool experience and, and a great audience for that. And I think that the that Joe and Chris did a really good job of putting it together. So if you're going to Technology, watch out for that one. Yeah, it sounds like it was very real world applicable, which we need more sessions like that, people. So. I think uh, that and, and the facilitated part where it's more of a discussion than a presentation, um, those are... And they demoed and stuff like that too, yeah. but it was very, you know, it wasn't it wasn't stuffy and blah. Um, cool. So that was cool. And I know that a lot of people, like there were, there were people who told me that they really enjoyed this session or that session, but overall, um, there, 
I think people really, really, the people who participated in these things really appreciated the Junto and the, uh, and Tin Can Alley. Like people who were really interested in Tin Can, they got, they went, you know, they would spend all day there and, and learn everything that they needed and learn all about the top vendors doing that. So that was, um, I, I just, I have no sense of whether those things are in general going to continue or maybe even how long they need to, but we were, you know, certain people on my team were very, very like appreciative to have those experiences there in, in addition to just the normal conference thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, so it was a good week. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. So, sessions. Now you're doing some writing right now, right? I am. I'm writing for ASTD's tech blog. I think, or what are they? Learning Technologies blog. Is that what they call it? I think so. Uh, wrote one last week, and you are you're cutting in and out a little bit. Mm. Are you there? Now I can hear you. Um. Anyway, so wrote wrote uh, about accessibility and kind of in general, um, accessibility in learning. I guess is the title for last week, and then one that went live today, uh, which is designing for all about universal inclusive design. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a topic that doesn't get much play and it should. Um, and I'm just trying to raise awareness, um, and provide just crap loads of resources for people in whatever, whatever role, um, whether you're a designer or a manager or a CLO or whatever, um, lots of different resources for learning about it and hopefully applying um, best practices and standards and things like that because we don't do much of it in this industry. Um, there's obviously the government stuff. There's the 508 compliance thing, but uh, that's not enough. And, um, you know, it's it's. I'm not sure where I'm at from a stance you know like i don't know what my stance is on universal design versus uh you know specific design for certain audiences and things like that um i'm still learning as well but i I think the the biggest thing that i have is that you know just people need to be aware of this and people need to understand that it's not going away in the audience that are affected by different disabilities or um, even minor factors is I guess what I'll call it. Cause um, that's what a couple of the uh, research things that I went to called it. Um, those they're all, there's, there's many factors that um, affect a user's or a learner's experience with anything. And um, just need to be aware of that and, and make sure that you're designing for, everyone that's taking your stuff and not just a default audience. Well, I've enjoyed what I've read so far. Um, and I think it's cool that you're writing about that kind of stuff. Cause we don't, you know, um, in our, in our rush to create something that whizzes and bangs and looks pretty and, um, plays exactly the same on, at least laptops. Um, <laughs> we don't always consider, um, I don't know, the context and, and the audience uh, and the different ways in which what we're creating might not be suitable or, I guess, accessible <laughs> right. 
for different kinds of audiences. And I, I think honestly that that's, that's a lot of the reason, I mean, that's, that's a lot of the reason I started, um, doing e-learning development in HTML and tools that publish to HTML. Um, and hence why I got interested in HTML5, um, because, HTML development tools weren't very competitive with Flash development tools in terms of the whiz-bang impressing the stakeholders kind of thing. But they had some stuff that I thought was really important, you know, with the searchability and accessibility and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And yeah, so anyway, I think it's good work that you're doing. Cool. Well, uh, I'm not... um, you know, it's. Uh, I think that the big thing is that I'm hoping that it opens up some eyes and then starts some conversations at least. Um, hoping for some feedback on the posts as well as um, so I'll, we'll link them up um, in arguments or discussions or whatever, just to at least uh, keep the conversation going because it's definitely a conversation that needs to happen. And uh, I'd love to have, you know, I think we talked to Diane last December or early January, uh, Diane Elkins, about accessibility on this show. And, you know, we're due for a follow-up on that, I think, and it'd be interesting to talk to her and maybe Julie or something like that around um, usability, accessibility, and how all those, and universal design, how all those things kind of play together. Um, And uh, as a thing at technology as well coming up so mm-hmm. she'll be at technology again talking about that stuff right so pay attention people and uh do some research and argue with me or talk to me or whatever um it's good stuff needs to happen um yeah so that's been uh, a thing um i'm trying to so yeah so writing a little bit more um not sure if I'll, I think some of this needs to really be a much longer form. Um, but I may not be the person to write that as far as uh, expertise and things go. But, um, I think the last accessibility report from the guild was like 2005. So, or something like that, something crazy. Um, Mm. so it's due for, due for some new looks and some, um, so I encourage people to take a look at it and write about it, whatever. So there you go. Um, Short stuff, and it's like advocacy work. And when, like the first time I wrote about HTML5, it was about, hey, let's pay attention to this thing that's happening in the web world that probably is going to affect us because we're part of the web world. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, it was, you know, full-on guild report kind of stuff because people not at all only through me through many many different you know sources started figuring out that that was um important or you know it became it became at least something that people wanted to know about yeah absolutely maybe maybe in a few years you are the person to write it maybe not but but at least you're if you start um help helping people realize the importance of it i think it's important yeah i think that's the thing this awareness and um consideration for everyone yes so don't be a jerk um yeah so we've got two we're gonna we're gonna get at least two more shows in for the end of the year Mm -hmm. uh one of whom is confirmed and that is uh chad udell from float which is awesome uh, really looking forward to talking to him about uh, about mobile 
learning and and tools, um, not necessarily software specific to mobile learning, but just mobile development in in its own. Um, and uh, what the uh, yeah, so he he wrote a book. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going there. What's that? I said, and the other one is not confirmed, so we can't talk about it yet. Oh, okay. No, so so Chad wrote um, uh, "Learning Everywhere, Anywhere." I totally blanked on the learning. <laughs> What's that? Learning Everywhere, and Thank you're the you. one who's actually read it. I, I have I, not I yet. Know. <laughs> although I, <laughs> I'm looking for it in my office because I have it sitting on my desk, but it's buried in paper right now. So it's like, it's, what is it again? So uh, no, it's a. Uh, so we're looking forward to having Chad on and. Um, it, I think it'll be it'll be good. We haven't talked a whole lot about uh, M learning on this show, mobile learning. Um, I hate the word M learning, but um, I think uh, kind of ties into some of the other stuff we've talked about with accessible and things like that. Yeah, so that'll be fun. We'll get a couple more shows out uh, before the end of the year, and hopefully a couple more before Tech Knowledge. Yeah, so what are you, so techno, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, I guess, but uh, I'm doing a cloud um, creation station about cloud project management for e-learning, which um, I'm really interested in. I test all kinds of project management tools because I still haven't found one that works. Um, and so I'm, I have this weird combination of text uh, files and a moleskin notebook and uh, index cards and a calendar and, 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 right. So nothing, nothing's quite perfect. Um, but uh, what do you guys use at Nike for project management? Do you have an internal tool or do you use like Microsoft project or what? Um, it differs okay. um, because there are different project managers um, I don't do a lot of, usually when I'm doing design and development work, I'm not the project manager. So I couldn't really say, I mean, there are people who use Basecamp, there are people who use SharePoint, there are people who use project. I'm sure. Um, I, yeah, I know there are people who use project. Um, I'm sure that there are people who use Excel. Yeah. Okay. So that'd be, maybe, maybe we'll have a show just about project management tools and like to do lists and things like that, because that's something that is, I think, relevant um in fact in our in the workshop that trina and i did we we touched on some tools and people were asked a lot of questions about that so um, maybe it's a topic we should we should look into maybe um did you want to talk about ios tools or ios apps after devlearn oh yeah so what did yeah so what did you use and what did you get out of it and Whatever, because you were talking your your post before DevLearn was about group, or, right? You know, apps to um, use with a so group or had, whatever. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so we had um, we had a couple of things that we, we like. We combined a DevLearn with like some offsite. We stayed for a day afterward and did uh, an offsite. Um, and so there are certain things that we were working on during the week, trying to capture inspiration and different things. Um, and we wanted to be able to sort of collect all of that and look at it as a group and sort it and, and stuff like that. So one of the things that was the, that was the one that I didn't put in my blog post. Um, but cause we were 
still kind of trying things out at the beginning of the week. Um, but well, and honestly, it was also because what we ended up using was technically public and we were just using it you know, we weren't particularly wanting to be found because we were just, you know, like sharing inspiration with each other and stuff. So I didn't even want to say what we were using. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was Pearl Trees. Um, hmm. We really liked it. Um, we we thought that the um, iOS apps, the iPad app in particular, were really easy to use, especially once we kind of got, we figured out what we were doing. Um, it was also, unfortunately, really easy to move things around and mess up each other's stuff. Um, but it wasn't, I mean, it didn't cause a huge problem. Um, we got to, we were able to capture a lot of different kinds of things, whether it was text or links or, um, images. Um, if you uploaded the video, if you wanted to capture video, if you uploaded it somewhere else, you could, you could, um, also sort of pin it there, um, or pearl it. It's not Pinterest. Um, so that was, that was just kind of cool. You know, it was a cool sort of place to, um, capture, um, products that we wanted to keep looking at, inspiration, just ideas and and stuff like that. Um, so that was Pearl Trees. Um, we also uh, sort of did a thing, a log every day about what we were learning. Um, and some of us used tapestry for that um, just to to keep our log, but also make it sort of a social thing. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I ended up as one of the top threaders at DoveLearn on Tapestry, which is why I'm getting Chad's book for free. Yay. Um, <laughs> I think I might have actually bought it already, truthfully, but I'll give the copy to the office or something. Um, and then we also ended up using Glassboard for just like ongoing conversation, like who wants to go out to eat? This is where we're meeting for breakfast, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and just sharing funny pictures with each other all week. So that was actually, that worked really well. Sometimes uploading pictures was a little bit wonky, but overall it worked really well. Um, and there was just a lot of fun that happened and fun is so important to a team. Um, so I, it really facilitated all of that. And even there were people who didn't come until like a day or so after a other people. So, you know, even for the people who weren't there, they were sort of in the back channel already. I mean, our not just the conference back channel, but our own team back channel, which is, it was just really fun. So Glassboard worked really well. And um, I like to, I think it may be the second time I've used it as a conference as just sort of in a small group. Um, but this was, this was a bigger, a, a little bit bigger group even. Um, and it just, just sort of works well as sort of an ongoing conversation. So liked that one. Yeah. And speaking of apps, by the way, and this is another one that we, oh, I wanted to, I wanted to circle back around on Pearl Trees. Now I got an email a couple of days ago that now Pearl Trees has an option to make private trees. Um, And it's something like $5 a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. So now there is that option. Um, And Pinterest now has secret boards as well, because we've talked about Pinterest as a curation tool on this show before. And I was like, yeah, I really like using it for ideas, but it's aggressively social. I don't like how social it is. As of something like a week ago, um, you can make uh, private boards as well. So just an update on these apps and uh, web apps. Um, Some of them are now also available for more just secret or private use. Right. 
group, special group use, whatever. I think that's good, though. I think it's really good for conference-type stuff to a communication channel, especially when AT&T service at something like the ARIA is brutal, um, where you have no cellular network, so you need to use Wi-Fi and uh, as always chat or, or something like that. Um, it's much better than trying to do texts all around, especially if everybody's not on iMessage. Yeah, I think Verizon was probably better, but it wasn't awesome. Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm switching to Verizon in December, so I'm pretty happy about that because I was there's the three or four spots that I get increasingly frustrated with AT and T. Um, I'm I frequent very often, and so it's uh, it's time for a change. So, so some cool shows coming up, and. Yeah, and that was DevLearn, folks, and we're really actually going to return, it sounds like, to talking about technology and software and such in the next couple of shows, so I hope you enjoy. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and uh, I do believe that either tonight or tomorrow night, uh, the Overcast is being reborn, so pretty excited about that. Um, and we're also bringing Radio Genius over to Emergent Radio. So just a quick uh, network update as well. Pretty excited about those two things. Um, Yay. So stay tuned for some other perspectives and some other topics and some other uh, shows there. That's all I got. Me too. We'll, uh, We'll do this again soon. There you have it.